Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking the Ultimate Fighter 28 finale, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Kamaru Usman. And Shaq, is going down this Friday. Kamaru Usman gets a chance at the former champion. And if he gets this win, man, uh, he might be right up there for the next title shot. Yeah, Kamaru's got one of the best resumes at welterweight. I mean, he's taking care of everyone. You know, Leon Edwards, Damian Maya, Ori Alves. I mean, uh... His uh his resume is impressive, man. So, you know, and Dos Anjos is a former champion, one of the best to ever to best to ever do it at lightweight. Now he's at one seventy doing his thing. You know, he's got that nice win over Robbie, got that win over Neil, so it's gonna be a good fight. Yeah, no doubt about it. Obviously, Kamara's been putting in work. And uh, Rafael Dos Santos, if you can beat a guy like that, that means that you're automatically a top five guy in the world. So I can't wait to see who goes out there and gets their arm raised. Well, Shaq, let's do this whole card start to finish, my man. And I say whole card. You know, we're going to skip uh, some of these Ultimate Fighter fights, but we're going to do the fights that the people care about. Because first up in the Bantamweight division, we got Jaime Barcelos. He's minus 475. The comeback on Chris Gutierrez is plus 380. Now, Shaq, uh, we were all super impressed with Hione Barcelo's UFC debut. Now he's dropping a weight class. He's taking on the experienced vet, Chris Gutierrez. Which way are you going? Yeah, you know, we, uh, we picked Hione Barcelos in that debut fight, and uh, he's a he's a big favorite in this fight, and rightfully so. You know, Gutierrez, I think he's most uh, popular for, you know, getting that upset win over Timor Valley of a few years back. And uh, I just think Barcelos is going to be too powerful for him, man, too strong, you know, especially dropping a bantamweight, you know, the power that he showed at that uh, in that fight against Holabot, who's a good inside-the-pocket type fighter. I mean, Hione hits hard, and not to mention, he took Kurt Holabot down and slammed him and tripped him. And, I mean, he put on the show out there, and not to mention the, the wins over Bobby Moffat on the local scene and uh, the knockout win over Dan Moret. I mean, Barcelos is impressive, and I think he's going to come out here and do his thing again against Gutierrez. I think he gets a finish. Yeah, you know, for a lot of people, it's a red flag that Hione Barcelos is dropping the bantamweight, but I actually think it's one of the best moves he could have made because as phenomenal as he was at featherweight, obviously his skills took him to such a high level. I feel like bantamweight is his optimal weight class because in that fight with Kurt Holabo, yeah, he's an incredible fighter. He was winning that fight, but there were times when uh, Holabo, you know, he wasn't boxing him up the entire time, but there were times when he was landing some nice shots on him, and I was thinking, man, you know, Kurt's so much bigger. But Hione's so damn good that it didn't matter. He's able to mix in the takedowns. He's landing some beautiful uppercuts. He knocked him out. But at bantamweight... This guy is going to be an absolute killer. He might be a top 15 guy right now as we're speaking. So I cannot wait to see what he does here in his in his uh, Bantamweight debut. And Chris Gutierrez, guy paid his dues on the regional scene, went out there. Even though it was controversial, he still got his arm raised against Timur Valiev. But man, the biggest issue in his game is historically been his takedown defense i mean as recently as 2017 he lost to gerard sanders on the regional scene i know you guys remember gerard sanders from the ufc and you know the joke was always uh you know if you can't beat gerard sanders in the first round you don't belong in the ufc chris gutierrez didn't just not beat him in the first round he didn't beat him at all but that said uh he's definitely earned his way to get this ufc call i mean he beat he knocked out jimmy flick on the lfa regional scene so chris gutierrez he's paid his dues he's a very flashy striker he can knock dudes out with spins his last fight he actually went out there and and submitted a black belt it was his first submission win so he's getting better in all areas but i think that hione barcelos man he's coming in there with his fire the way he moves his head his uppercuts the timing of his takedowns, his black belt in jiu-jitsu. I think he's going to take down Chris Gutierrez. I think he's going to submit him. 
Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Tim the Dirty Bird Means. He's minus 370. The comeback on Ricky Rainey is plus 310. Now, Shaq, you going with the UFC vet Tim Means, or are you going with the NFC vet Ricky Rainey? Yeah, you know, I've seen Ricky Rainey fight on the local scene a couple times, and, you know, he's paid his dues. He earned his way here. He got he got in Bellator. He did his thing there, and uh, now he's in the big show, and Tim Means... You know, it uh, seems like he's on the decline a little bit. You know, he's coming he's coming off those back-to-back losses against Serginho and uh, Bilal. And, you know, uh, I definitely think uh, Tim could definitely be aging a little bit. But at the same time, you know, as far as how they match up, I just think Tim, you know, whether he catches Ricky Rainey or if he's able to just, you know, technically strike him for three rounds. You know, uh, in the Bilal fight, he still showed that he can – you know, uh, strike and move with the best of them. You know, I think both are super underrated. And Sergio, I mean, what's that guy's UFC record, man? You know, that guy uh, wins most of his fights. You know, I think Ricky he's a tough guy. The only way I see him winning this fight if he's able to, you know, tie Tim up and Tim just looks flat. But I think Tim comes out here and gets a job done, whether it's by knockout or by decision. We've seen him uh, been able to point guys in the past like Garcia, and I think he could do, could do something similar here as well. So uh, I got 10 means. Yeah, like you mentioned, Ricky Rainey definitely paid his dues to get to the UFC. But, man, he might not be UFC level. Uh, between you and me, Shaq, he, uh, he lost to Diego Lima on the regional scene. I know Diego's our boy, but you, you know uh, you know the deal here, man. It's just business. Uh, if you lose to Diego Lima, you probably do not belong in the UFC's octagon. It is what it is. And Tim Means, uh, you know, he's a very, very good southpaw striker, obviously, the head movement, the slip and rip, the touch and go, his parrying game, he's definitely got that on point. I, f- I simply feel like he's the smoother operator in this matchup. And also, I-, I feel like he can mix in takedowns if he wanted to. This is one of those fights where he could show off his well-rounded game because my boy Tim means people forget that this guy's been fighting a long, long time. He comes from that old-school Albuquerque regional scene. I know he used to fight bare-knuckle boxing back in the day. Tim Means has been through a lot of shit. I feel like uh, he's going to put a UFC clinic on uh, Ricky Rainey, and then we can see Ricky Rainey in the NFC his next fight. Now, next up in the UFC lightweight division, we got Roosevelt Roberts. He's a minus 320. The comeback on Daryl Horcher is plus 260. Now, Shaq, are you going with the six foot two lightweight prospect, Roosevelt Roberts, or are you going with the vet, Daryl Horcher? I think Roosevelt Roberts had a good showing in his contender series fight. He got a lot of takedowns, absolutely dominated, and Horcher, you know, he's an interesting guy because, you know, he had that debut against Khabib where, you know, uh, he got smashed on. And, you know, there's no shame in that. But, I mean, the damage happened. And then uh, he had that motorcycle accident. And then he came back and fought Powell. You know, even though I feel like that fight probably shouldn't have gone to a split decision. I mean, there were some questionable moments in that third round where he was, you know, uh, you know, there was just, he was trying to get choked out and things like that. So, you know, it's interesting. And then his fight with, uh, with uh, Holtzman, he got out-muscled. So, you know, I could see something similar happen. I, I could see Roosevelt coming down here, getting a lot of takedowns, smothering him. You know, Horcher, he does have a dangerous left hand. It's very accurate. But, you know, Roosevelt, he's 6'2". He's, he's rangy. I feel like he could uh, that range could cause a lot of problems. But ultimately, I think Ro- Roosevelt just needs to take him down consistently. So I am going for uh, Roosevelt Roberts for the win. But, you know, Horcher's a tough guy. But I think Roberts gets this now. Yeah, Roosevelt Roberts definitely a very bright prospect. Like I mentioned, he's a six foot two lightweight, and he's not a, a tall and goofy guy either. He's a tall, athletic specimen, 
And, uh, man, he's got some serious grappling under his belt. I know three years ago he was a purple belt when I was watching some of those grappling uh, competitions online. So I'd assume by now he's a brown belt. And this guy is an opportunistic finisher. Not only can he go out there, suplex you, get the get that body lock and just force you to the mat over and over, but being that he is six foot two, he's got those long arms. He's super opportunistic with his chokes. He can uh, get a guillotine from multiple angles. Obviously, he can take your back and choke you out there with a the rear naked as well. Definitely someone you got to keep your eye out for. And Daryl Horcher, you know, he's a typical meat and potatoes, middle of the road type fighter. One thing about him, though, his left hand is dynamite. You know, every single person he touches with that left hand wobbles, including my boy, uh, Scotty Holtzman. But at the same time, his weakness has always been uh, his get-up game. You know, you take this guy down, chances are he's, he's not getting back up. And he'll survive. He'll take the ass whooping like a man. He's a very experienced uh, and seasoned guy. So I won't be surprised if it goes all three rounds. But that being said, I think somewhere along the way, Roosevelt Roberts does find the neck of Daryl Horcher. And I think he comes out here and he chokes him out, man. I think Roosevelt's going to make a big statement in his UFC debut and uh, extend his undefeated record to 7-0. Now, next up in the flyweight division, it's not at bantamweight, it's at flyweight. We got Alex Perez, he's minus 130, and the comeback on Joseph Benavidez is plus 110. Now, it's safe to say that this is both of their uh, last flyweight fights, so the question is, who's going to move up to bantamweight a winner? Yeah, this is a great fight. You know, Perez uh, has a big opportunity at his hand. You know, Benavidez is one of the best to ever do it, you know, for a while. His only losses were to Cruz and DJ, and uh, now, you know, he's got that loss to Sergio uh, you know, Benavidez has had a great run, a great career. You know, uh, I feel like lately, ever since the second DJ loss, you know, his run after that has kind of been lackluster. You know, he's been kind of fighting close with these guys. Uh, and then, you know, he's got the ACL surgery and he came back against Sergio. I feel like he, uh, you know, definitely looked a little rusty in there, you know, or rusty, or maybe he's just on the decline now. You know, he's uh, not sure how old he is, 35, 36, maybe, but. You know, uh, I just think, uh, you know, father time is catching up with him, man, and the division has kind of changed since he's been out. You know, uh, flyweight, you know, it might not be the best division, but, you know, there's still a lot of young guys, a lot of young, dangerous guys. So, you know, I feel like Benavidez's offense, uh, you know, just his striking offense in general kind of, in the Sergio fight just wasn't enough, man. I just felt like it wasn't dangerous enough. I felt like he was really outsized in that fight. And, you know, I feel like Perez is a huge flyweight. Perez in his UFC career has been pretty dominant. His contender series fight against Gray, you know, he was styling on him out there, had some nice chokes. And one thing I like about Perez is uh, he likes to dominate every position, you know. Uh, he likes to move forward on the feet and throw big body kicks and, you know, punches inside the pocket. And he's just a real, you know, uh, a a big force in there, man. Uh, and the Shorty Torres fight, he just stood in the pocket with Shorty and made a commitment to take him out in the first round. And that's exactly what he did against Eric Sheldon. He just manhandled him, out-wrestled him in every sense of the word. So I'm very impressed with Alex Perez. You know, uh, he paid his dues on the local scene. He had a lot of fights, over 20 fights on that local scene in California. And I mean, uh, and he's still young. He's still 26. So He's still improving, uh, you know. I think Benavides is, uh, has his hands full. You know, I think the fight with Ray Borg was a better matchup for him, to be honest. And you know, I I do think Benavides is on the decline, and I don't I don't think we're gonna see that Benavides, that old Benavides that was, you know, uh, you know. I feel like the difference is, is just the power. You know, I feel like you know in the past, you know, when uh, Ali Bogantinov and Moraga, you know, he was able to occasionally hurt those guys with a big punch. You know, I don't think he's capable of capable of doing that anymore so 
I'm going to go with Alex Perez for the win. I think he's just going to rough Benavidez up. You know, I think uh, when they get him close and, you know, the way Benavidez likes to drop his hands on his Yeah, I think Alex Perez is just going to hurt him consistently throughout the fight. I think the way Benavidez, you know, uh, comes out of these exchanges with his hands down is going to cause a lot of problems for him. I think uh, Alex won't find himself in those uh, wrestling positions either. I think he's a strong wrestler. He's a wrestling coach, actually. And, uh, you know, I think... uh, I think he's just going to rough Benavidez up throughout the fight, you know, just laying the harder shots, stuff his takedowns, and uh, just be the bully in there. So I like Alex Perez. Yeah, it's not often you see Joseph Benavidez as an underdog, especially to a young guy like Alex Perez. But when you think about their career trajectories, it does make sense. Uh, you know, Joseph Benavidez, he, he's a consummate badass. I tip my cap to a guy like that. I mean, he's had 30 professional fights and won 25 of them. The only people to beat him are Dominic Cruz twice, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson twice, and Sergio Pettis. He's only lost to three guys before. Uh, and uh, he's also married to Megan O'Leary, so, you know, my boy Joe B is living his best life right now. But that being said, he's definitely on uh, the tail end of his career. You know, and I don't want to say that in terms of, you know, he's getting knocked out every fight, you know, like my boy Chuck Liddell or anything like that, because that's not the case. It's just that, He's definitely slowing down a bit to where he can be outgunned by these younger guys nowadays. And, you know, the thing with Joseph Benavidez is, like you and I have talked about Shaq, he's a max effort guy. He's going to go out there, give it his all, give it 100%, try his best to win the fight at all costs. But now that he's slowed down a little bit, that style is actually going to leave him open to a lot of shots. You know, he might land that one big haymaker because he does have an orthodox style. Excuse me, he does have an unorthodox style. He throws from the hip. So he might land that one big overhand, but the thing about a guy like Alex Perez is he will eat that one shot to land three or four of his own. And those three or four of his own, Shaq, are pretty damn devastating. You saw what he did to Jose Shorty Torres, a guy who went 25-1 and as an amateur, a guy who was 7-8-0 or and at the time that he fought Alex Perez. And Alex put him down in the mat. Obviously, he schooled Eric Shelton. Eric Shelton's a guy that goes to split with everyone. And uh, Alex Perez, 30-26, the guy. So Alex Perez has definitely been looking impressive. I know he had some questionable losses on uh, the regional scene a couple years back. But my only response to that is he's just a kid. He's, he's coming into his own now. He's only 26 years old right now. He's training out of Team Oyama. And the guys that train at that camp, they make such big improvements in short amounts of times. You look at a guy like Marlon Chito Vera. You know, two years ago, he's losing to guys like Davey Grant. And uh, fast forward... And now he's going out there against guys like John Lineker and winning the third round in Brazil on two judges' scorecards. So the guys from that camp and just the guys of that age, the up-and-comers of the next generation, the next wave, every single time you see them, they're going to be looking way, way better and much improved, much more seasoned. And speaking of seasoning, Alex Perez already has 25 pro fights, so it's not like he's some spring chicken here in this spot. I actually think he can come out here. My only, you know, I say hesitation I would like to see Alex Perez as an underdog if I was going to bet it because just just to give my man Joe B, Mr. just to give Mr. Olivia a little bit of respect here, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'd like to see Joe B as a slight favorite and Alex Perez as an underdog, but all that said, I do think Alex Perez comes out here because I want to say Alex Perez gets the upset, but he's a, a slight favorite. So, you know, it, it is what it is, but I think Alex Perez gets the win here, my man. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got the former LFA champion, Kevin Aguilar. He's minus 115. He's taking on the former World Series of Fighting champion, Rick Glenn, who's minus 105. Uh, Shaq, who you got in this one? You know it's going to be a scrap, right? Yeah, Rick Glenn always brings it. He's a long six-foot southpaw. You know, people think uh, 
sometimes under the impression that Rick Linson wrestler, he's actually a striker, man. He's a, got that long body kick. And, you know, Aguilar, he's one of those guys that paid his dues on the local scene as well. He's got some impressive wins up there on the local scene in Texas. And, I mean, when you got the type of record that he has, you got to respect that at every level. So, you know, Aguilar is a, is a serious fighter. You know, his contender series fight wasn't as impressive, but it was up away class. It was on one-week notice. And, you know, uh, sometimes you don't, you know, look the best in situations like that. But, you know, in this uh, in his real UFC debut, you know, I know he's stepping in on short notice again, but I think he's going to come uh, a little more prepared this time, and I think we're going to see the better version of him. I think Rick Glenn, you know, we know what we're going to get from Rick Glenn. We're going to get a guy that's, you know, here for the three rounds. He's tough. He's got a great chin. And uh, and if you start to show any mental weakness in there against Rick Glenn, he'll break you. But I don't think Kevin Aguilar is going to show that weakness. You know, I think Kevin's going to come out here land the harder shots inside the pocket. You know, I definitely see Rick having some success in the fight as well. I think it's going to be one of those, you know, ugly, you know, dirty, grimy type of fights where both men are, uh, you know, really tired at the end. Uh, But I just see Aguilar, you know, getting the better of the boxing exchanges. You know, I just see him uh, hurting Rick Glenn occasionally throughout the the process. I know Rick's not going to get finished. He's a super tough guy, but he definitely leaves a lot of openings up there inside the pocket. But, uh, it's going to be a good fight, man. You know, Rick Leonard is a guy you can't sleep on. So, But I got Kevin Aguilar by a close, close decision. You know, if you're a little bit inexperienced or you're kind of green and you're taking on a guy like Rick Glenn, uh, just ask Gavin Tucker what he's been up to for the last year, Shaq, because if you're not ready to fight a guy like Rick Glenn, uh, he will put you in the ground, man. He will absolutely annihilate you. But the thing is, a guy like Kevin Aguilar, he did pay his dues. And I think he's ready for the step up in competition. You know, when you talk about that LFA regional scene, he went out there and beat the guys that you're supposed to beat to get that UFC call. And he beat them impressively, man. He went out there against a guy in Ton Lee. And uh, he didn't just beat him, Shaq. He knocked him out to the point where Tan Lee was never the same ever again. And also, he knocked out a guy in Damon Jackson. Damon Jackson is the regional killer, man. And, uh... My boy uh, Kevin Aguilar went out there and stiffened them. And then obviously his contender series fight wasn't very impressive. That's why so much action has come in on Rick Glenn. Not to mention the fact that when you see dog money next to a guy like Rick Glenn, oftentimes you are intrigued because uh, he's a dog out there, man. The guy Rick Glenn, he comes to fight. And if you're not serious, you're not going to beat the guy. But as far as Kevin Aguilar's contender series fight, I mean, let's just make the excuse for him right away. It was up a weight class and it was off the couch. And he still went out there and won. So now, at his normal weight class of 145 pounds, I feel like we're going to see the best version of Kevin Aguilar. And I simply think that, uh, you know, his jab, man, he drops dudes with that jab. And obviously, uh, the biggest issue for him has sometimes been his get-up game. But I, I don't think that Rick Lenn is uh, that much of a wrestler, despite the fact that he's training at uh, Team Alpha Male. If anything, Rick Lenn's takedown defense has been an issue in the past. Look, if you gas out and uh, you're inexperienced like Gavin Tucker, okay, then you'll take you down. But I don't see Kevin Aguilar being like that at all. I see this being a closely contested battle with Kevin Aguilar landing the hardest shots throughout the three-round duration and uh, getting the win as a result. Now, next up, we got Antonina Shevchenko. She's minus 310, and the comeback on Ji Yeon Kim is plus 255. Shaq, I thought the line was going to be a little bit closer, but I understand the hype on Shevchenko. You think our girl uh, Ji Yeon Kim can get this upset? You know, this is an interesting fight because uh, Antonina, we know she's got all this uh, hype because of that last name, man. And, I mean, you know, it's kind of warranted as well. She had a good showing on that contender series fight. You know, I really wasn't impressed with her game besides her Muay Thai, you know, her Muay Thai clinch. I mean, that was one of the, definitely one of the more more elite uh, Muay Thai 
clinches that I've seen, you know, that kind of reminded me of like uh, Duran and me in the clinch, you know, it was very impressive. And I feel like, you know, females definitely aren't used to that. So she, uh, she gets girls in that clinch. She's going to be able to definitely do her thing. And uh, Gian Kim, super underrated, man. You know, not a lot of people know about her, but I mean, she's had an impressive UFC career, you know, her fight with uh, Pudalova, you know, that fight could have went either way, man. And Pudalova's doing her thing at 135. She gets that big upset win as a three to one underdog against Justine Keish. And then she uh you know took care of business down there in uh in Singapore earlier this year. So, you know, she's uh she said even on the local scene, man, she fought some tough girls out there as well. She fought in a tough promotion and I think she's super underrated. You know, I think this fight's gonna play out a lot closer than the line indicates. I know Shevchenko's got all the hype, but you know, I feel like uh, the chick she fought on Contender Series is nowhere near the level of Gian Kim. You know, I feel like uh, the chick was, you know, closer to soccer mom. I still think this is a big step up in competition. The girls that she's been fighting on the local scene were like, you know, one and one and things of that nature. But, you know, uh, I'm actually going to take Gian for the upset. You know, I think uh, the line's super off in this one. I feel like she's got the better boxing. Uh, I know Shevchenko's got a little bit of size on her, but... You know, uh, you know. Sometimes these fights can, these uh, female fights can play out a lot closer than uh, people think. So I'm gonna go with uh, Gian Kim for the upset. Man, it would be cool as hell to see Gian Kim come out there and get this upset. Just because I really like her style, I like the the spirit that she fights with. She goes out there, lands some devastating bombs on these girls, and you know. Our criticism for a lot of the chick fights is, you know, oh, head and arm throw every five seconds. Well, a girl like Gian Kim, she'll go out there and try to take your head off. So that's why I, I enjoy watching her fight. And with Antonina Shevchenko, I mean, let's talk about her pro kickboxing record, 39-1, and Shaq. And that last loss, uh, that, that one loss was in like 2003. So she's a total badass, just like her sister. And uh, like you already mentioned, that Muay Thai clinch, that Muay Thai plum is absolutely elite. And I think that's going to be the deciding factor in this fight, man. I feel like the, the boxing exchanges could be somewhat close because Gian Kim, she's super unorthodox. It's not, you know, if you took it to a, a regular boxing coach, he'd say it's awful. But then you put it in MMA and it, it works every single time, man. So uh, don't be surprised if my girl Gian Kim can turn this into a brawl. That's exactly what she has to do if she's going to come out here and win this fight. But I just feel like the technical prowess of Antonina Shevchenko, it's really translated well into MMA so far, and I think that she can continue that here. I felt like she had a way easier matchup against Ashley Evans Smith. I felt like she was going to get Ashley Evans Smith out of there just because the striking, the striking gap and the, the skill gap in the striking was just night and day in that fight. And I don't think Ashley is elite enough of a wrestler to get her down consistently. So I felt like that was going to be a wipeout. But this fight with Gian Kim is going to be a little bit closer. I see Antonina slightly outpointing her with uh, effective knees in the tie clinch. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got the newcomer, Edmund Shabazian. He's minus 115, and Darren Stewart is minus 105. Now, Shaq, it's interesting to see a guy in Edmund Shabazian as the slight favorite here against Darren Stewart. You know, Edmund, he's never been past the first round. He's never fought anyone on the level of Darren Stewart. But I've been hearing rumblings, man, that this kid is a serious talent. He is supposedly a phenom. So uh, we haven't seen anything yet. I'm very intrigued to see his debut here. Are you uh, going with Stewart or Edmund? Yeah, Stewart's been looking real good as of late. You know, ever since he got his mental coach, it seems like uh, he's been taking off these last two fights, two great performances. Uh, I know he was, I guess, somewhat losing against Bird, but I mean, uh, the way he sat back and, you know, just found that one kill shot was very impressive. And, you know, uh, this Edmund guy, you know, it's either, it's a, it's a lot of hearsay, you know, uh, 
he's been steamrolling these guys in the first round. And, you know, it's one of those simple cases of uh, what happens if the fight gets extended, you know. You know, Stewart generally is also a quick finisher, and Stewart's got a lot of power at 185. And I definitely think this is the heaviest hitter Edmund uh, has fought by far. You know, I feel like a lot of people give uh, Edmund a lot of a lot of shit because he is trained by Coach Edmund. But, but you know, I mean, you know, although people like to shit on Coach Edmund, you know, he, he still did have a UFC World Champion, and uh, <laughs> so you got to give him some some type of credit. There's but, still uh, six UFC belts at that gym. Yes, yeah, so I mean, he still got a UFC World Champion, but uh, it's uh, that's something a lot of people can't say. So. You know, Edmund, it's a, it's a really interesting fight for me, you know, because Edmund could be this guy, you know, at least for this fight, he can be this guy. You know, Stewart, you know, in his first three UFC fights, he, he did get steamrolled in the first round, you know, in, uh, in two of those. So, you know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, man. You know, I'm going to go with Stewart for the upset just because I've seen more from Stewart. You know, I feel like he is a little more confident. I feel like... Uh, you know, it's one of those cases where, you know, a guy on a losing streak, you know, he gets that taste, uh, he gets that wind taste in his mouth, and then he just takes off, you know. But uh, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Edmund came out here and steamrolled him. I mean, his offense was very, you know, ferocious in that contender series fight. And, I mean, uh, he's young, he's hungry. But uh, I'll just go with Stewart, man. I just feel like the experience is going to play a factor. And uh, I think the power is going to play a factor. It's just really tough to say because we really don't know shit about Edmund. All we know is that he's finished every single opponent he's had inside the first round. He's destroyed them all. The level of competition he's fought hasn't been the best, but that doesn't mean that he can't step up when the time comes. I mean, what if he really is this phenom that everyone's saying? So it's not going to surprise me at all if he comes out here and continues uh, his dominant winning ways, man, because that's what the kid does. And I know uh, he's training under the legendary Coach Edmund, so when you hear that, head movement! In uh, the background, just know that you don't have a Ronda Rousey fight open in another window. It is indeed the legendary coach Edmund Tarverdian. But look, all jokes aside, what I've been hearing is this kid Edmund is a is a prodigy, man. So maybe he comes out here and steamrolls Darren Stewart. But my thing with Stewart, man, is obviously he's fought way tougher competition. Uh, he knows what adversity is like. He knows what it means to take an L and then come back and uh, get his arm raised. And ever since he's been seeing that mental coach, you know, for some guys we kind of laugh uh, – but not with not with Darren Stewart. I feel like that's exactly what he needed, man. And those last two performances, obviously the Eric Spicely fight was smooth sailing, but the last one with Charles Bird, he had to dig deep. It was a situation where he might have checked out in the past, and uh, this time he didn't, man. This time he waited for his opportunity. He was in that fight the entire time, and one little opening, and uh, he got the finish, man. So that's a sign of things to come. Maybe he can come out here and weather the storm of Edmund Shabazian and get him out of here. And it's the toughest fight for me to pick because I, I don't know shit about Edmund Shabazian. I've seen him fucking go 40 seconds in each of his fights, right? So uh, I don't know enough to to really uh, to really say anything. But I'll just go ahead and pick Darren Stewart just because I've seen more. I've seen him at the UFC level. And I feel like he's overcome a lot uh, mentally. So I'm going to go with him. But we'll see. Maybe this kid Edmund's the real deal. Now next up in the Bantamweight division. Pedro Pedrinho Munoz, the Punisher, he's minus 230, and Brian Kidd Lightning Caraway is plus 190. Shaq, you know we got a history of cashing Brian Caraway as the underdog, plus 350 against Aljamain Sterling, plus 110 against Eddie Wineland. Now he's plus 190 against Pedro Munoz. You think he comes out here and gets another upset? 
Man, it's a great fight. You know, I feel like this fight could be like, you know, a fight of the night type of fight. We know the type of guy that Pedro Munoz is. I mean, that guy likes to walk forward, take damage, inflict damage. We know about his guillotine. I mean, he's a very, a very violent guy when he gets the right opponent. And, you know, Caraway, you know, he's got a bad rap in the past. But, I mean, Caraway is also a guy that will, you know, bite down on that mouthpiece. He'll move forward. He'll exchange in the pocket as well. I mean, both these guys are super tough. That's why they're getting this co-main event spot. You know, I feel like uh, Caraway, I mean, this guy's super experienced. I mean, this guy was fighting bare knuckle. He's got wins over Aljamain. I mean, he's fought pretty much everyone. I mean, you know, he fought a Sun Tso. You know, he broke a Sun Tso's uh, streak of getting uh, hit less than, like, 40 times, I think it was. But, you know... Uh, Caraway's just got a history of, you know, making, you know, fights, you know, kind of aligned similarly, similarly uh, to this, making them a lot closer, man. He's just a dog, you know. Uh, the guy's just going to bite down and move forward. His last fight against Damon, there was no shame in that, you know. I know Cody lost his last fight, but <laughs> Cody's 17-2, and two, you know. it's uh, I think Cody's, uh, you know, very underrated, and I think uh, he just started, you know, he started a little bit too late. You know, I felt like it was one-on-one going into the third round. And, uh, you know, Cody won the first half of the first, the third round, and Caraway won the last minute. So, you know, those things can go either way. And, you know, Cody got the, the job done. And, you know, Pedro's last fight against Brett, you know, Pe- Pedro put it on him. You know, he hurt him to the body several times. He, uh, and he showed, uh, he showed, uh, he also showed that he still takes a lot of damage, though. You know, Brett definitely caught him a couple times, and that's just the type of guy Pedro is. And, you know, occasionally, you know, he'll look a little lackluster, like the Dotson fight, you know, where he kind of looked a little, you know, slow, old. I felt like he had a bad game plan in that fight, even the Stasiak fight, you know. It definitely wasn't his best performance. But when he gets the right opponent, you know, I feel like uh, he can definitely style on him. It's just a matter of the way, how, how does Caraway play this, you know? Does he want to box with Pedro or does he want to, you know, just fight him? You know, it's going to be, cause you know, if you fight him, you know, you kind of bring, bring the best out of Pedro, but I feel like Caraway's actually good enough to kind of exchange with him a little bit. You know, I feel like Caraway's got like a weird style with his left hook, the way he uh, can land it. And I just feel like he's a grimy, dirty guy. You know, I feel like this fight's going to play out a lot closer than the line indicates, you know, uh, I just feel like Pedro definitely leaves a lot of openings. And, you know, I feel like occasionally he can look really slow. And, you know, I feel like, you know, Caraway is definitely a slower bantamweight, but I feel like he just has a way to make things work. So I feel like it's just going to be a a closer fight. Uh, As far as a pick, man, you know, I'm going to go with the upset in Brian Caraway, man. I feel like it's just going to be a dirty, grimy fight. I feel like he's going to dirty box Pedro a lot, make Pedro take a lot of unnecessary damage. Uh, I feel like it's going to be super close, though. I feel like this fight could be fight of the night, but uh, I'll take Caraway for the upset. Man, an upset's not going to surprise me just because Brian Caraway is that perennial underdog, and every time he's counted out, every time he's less athletic, he's less this, he's less that, he goes out there and he wins the fights, man. He's, I, I'm a big fan of Brian Caraway, but I'm also a big fan of Pedro Munoz, man. I mean, obviously, he's got that world-class guillotine. Now, it's funny because uh, people are saying he's going to come out here and submit Brian Caraway. I highly doubt it, man. You know that Brian Caraway? People act like he's this decisionator, but uh, he actually has about 18 finishes on his resume. He's actually a finisher, Shaq. He has as many submissions as Pedro Munoz has wins. He has 16 submissions on his on his resume. So if anyone gets a guillotine here, don't be surprised if it's Brian Caraway, but I highly doubt any guy 
gets submitted in this fight. I think it's going to be a three-round fight of the night. I think it's going to be an epic war. I think that uh, everyone's going to be on their feet because just the way they they match up, man. You know, Pedro's a bit of a walking punching bag. Brian Caraway doesn't mind letting that left hook go. And uh, Brian Caraway is not the fastest, so he's going to eat some shots as well. They're going to go toe-to-toe. They're going to have a war. But I simply feel like the volume of Pedro Munoz is what's going to win him the decision here and get him ahead on the card. So I'm going to go with uh, Pedro Munoz by a very slight margin. Main event of the evening. We got Kamaro Uzman. He's minus 265. The comeback on Rafael Dos Anjos is plus 225. Shaq, you think Kamaru's going to follow the the Glayson Tebow, the Clay Guida, the Colby Covington, the, the Habib Nurmagomedov blueprint to beat Rafael Dos Anjos? Or you think he might actually come out here and try to test his stand-up against the former lightweight champion? Man, it's a great fight. You know, I heard some things earlier today where Kamari was saying that he uh, he trained with RDA in the past, and he said that he left a bigger impression on RDA than RDA left on him. So, and he said that was a that was after a tough fourteen. So, that was uh, really interesting. But uh, you know, uh, I think Kamaru Usman, like I said, he's got one of the best resumes at welterweight. Even though I feel like you know he's a bit boring, I mean the guy gets his job done and he's effective and he's fairly dominant. You know. Uh, Dos Anjos, you know, like we said in the past, he struggles with this, you know, plain and simple. You know, I feel like Dos Anjos low-key also, you know, I feel like he's one of those guys where he has to be, you know, in the lead from start to finish. You know, I feel like when you look at his career lately, you know, the Pettis fight, the Pettis fight was one-sided, Cerrone fight, you know, one-sided start to finish. But then, you know, uh, when he fought Eddie, you know, he got caught, got knocked out, and then the Tony fight... You know, it was for a 48-47 decision on all three cards, but, you know, uh, Tony out-toughed him in that fight. And then, uh, you know, the Neil Magny fight was one-sided. The Robbie Lawler fight was one-sided. And then, you know, the Colby fight, we saw, you know, another, allegedly on the cards, you know, another close fight. But, you know, uh, we saw that one that fight with the wrestling, the size. And we know RDA is not a real welterweight, man. I've been saying this for a long time. He's definitely a lightweight. He's just, you know, looking out for his longevity. He doesn't want to cut that weight. And, uh, you know, I feel like it's a good move in certain fights, but, you know, in, in terms of, you know, the Usmans and the, the Covingtons and the Woodleys, I just don't feel like it's going to be successful. You know, I feel like against the against those three, you know, I just feel like it's uh, not going to work out for him. I think he's just going to be outsized. And, you know, with all those three guys, they're just the best wrestlers, the worst matchups for RDA. They're going to smother him, you know, close that distance on him. And, you know, make RDA start so well like he has in the past several times. So, you know, I feel like Usman... I definitely feel like the stand-up exchanges, the boxing exchanges are going to be a little closer um, just because, you know, Usman's a little more stiff. He definitely got caught with some left hands against Damian Maya, but, I mean, <laughs> Damian Maya also landed some left hands on Covington. So, you know, uh, it's going to be really interesting. You know, I just feel like Usman's presence, his, his force, his strength, you know, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, Colby, you know, put the pace on RDA, but I just feel like Usman... I don't think him and Colby are similar. Uh, similar. I just feel like uh, Colby's the more, you know, dynamic, athletic, and Usman's just the more strong, you know, a stronger, uh, more brute style. So, you know, I just feel like the size of Usman's just going to be too much, but he's got to be careful in the pocket. You know, Colby just pushed forward nonstop, constantly didn't even let RDA set up. So I think Usman will let RDA set up, but we'll see. But I got Usman by... Uh, dominant decision if you're ever having trouble sleeping at night just pop in a, a kamaru uzman fight you know they call him the nigerian nightmare i call him the nigerian nyquil shack you know the guy is so damn boring but look all bullshit aside all jokes aside 
he's got the perfect style to come out here and beat Rafael Dos Anjos. Like I already mentioned, historically speaking, it doesn't just date back to Colby Covington and Habib. What about Glayson Tebow? What about Clay Guida? I mean, it goes back a very, very long time. Even Terry Edom took him down, okay, Shaq? But much respect to Rafael Dos Anjos. Obviously, he's a serious black belt. His striking, his left kick, uh, his tie clinch. The guy is serious. The flying knee is everything. He's a, I mean, he's a world championship caliber fighter, man. He won that belt. He defended it at lightweight. Now he moved up to 70, won three fights in a row, lost to the interim champ, Colby. There's nothing to hang your head about. Rafael Dos Anjos is a total beast. But Kamaru Usman, his physicality, his presence, his strength, his force, it's just, you have to be a natural 170-pounder to go out there and beat Kamaru Usman. No lightweight is going to go out there and beat Usman. Well, you know, now that I'm saying that, watch fucking RDA catch him with something, right? But look, I, I just think that, you know, going up a weight class when you're actually a lightweight, it might work against Neil Magny. It might work against the ghost of Robbie Lawler. It might work against fucking Tarek Safadine. But I don't think it's going to work against the new way of the young up-and-coming guys, the Colby Covingtons, the Kamaru Usmans, the Santiago Ponzinibbios. And again, I know Santiago's 32, but in terms of fight years, uh, he's on his title run right now. No one can debate that. So... I just don't think Rafael can contend with these up-and-comers, man. And, you know, the Darren Tills, all these guys. So, much respect to Rafael. I think he'll be back, but I think he's going to take a step back. I just think Kamaru's going to pin him up against the fence, mix in the takedowns, and then uh, that'll open up the striking. He'll start to land some shots. I know Kamaru's kind of stiff on the feet, and if he stands for too long, uh, eventually he's going to get knocked out. I mean, if this was him and Ponzinibbio, I think we'd be having a completely different discussion, but it's not. It's him and Rafael Dos Anjos. So, I see Kamaru coming out here and getting a very dominant decision victory. Well, Shaq, normally we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute, but Big Marley, as we mentioned, he uh, he's being flown out to Florida by, by DraftKings. You know, my man, that's why he is the DraftKings guy for half the battle. So hit him up on Twitter at Big Marley 3. Check out his write-up. I read it every week. Hit him up at Big Marley 3. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for the Ultimate Fighter finale? Yeah, the fight to watch for me is going to be uh, Caraway versus Munoz. You know, I just feel like the way they match up, it's going to be a real violent fight. Both guys tired at the end. Both guys possibly bloodied. And, uh, you know, I just feel like Caraway's a dog, Pedro's a dog, and uh, it's going to be entertaining. Yeah, for me, obviously, that's one of the fights to watch. I, I believe that'll win fight of the night. But for me, the fight to watch is Darren Stewart versus Edmund Shabazian. So many questions on this kid, Edmund Shabazian. I hear he's a prodigy. I hear he's a phenom. And Darren Stewart, what a career resurgence. I mean, he was he lost three fights in a row. It looked like he was about to get cut. Now he's got two finishes in a row. It looks like he'd really turn things around. That is my fight to watch, Shaq. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for the Ultimate Fighter finale? My fighter to watch is going to be Alex Perez. I mean, he's got the opportunity of a lifetime to take out a flyaway legend like Benavidez, one of the best to ever do it. And I mean, for, to go from, you know, the beginning of the year fighting a contender series fight a year ago to being where he is now, I mean, that's a, a super fast track. So if he can get this job done, I mean, he just make he just makes a big statement. And Benavidez is one of the best to ever do it. So that's my uh, fighter to watch. Yeah, definitely one of the fighters to watch for sure. For me, I'm going to go with Hione Barcelos. Look, a lot of people were surprised that he's dropping a bantamweight for this fight. It actually makes sense to me, and I think that right off the bat, he might be a top 15 guy right now, Shaq. I think we might be looking at a potential title challenger if he can come out here. Not just get a victory, but get a dominant victory. Make a statement over a guy like Chris Gutierrez, because Hione Barcelos has got all the skills. Now it's about putting it to practice. Now it's about going out there, getting those big wins, put a streak together. And uh, work your way up to that title shot. So Hione Barcelos is my fighter to watch. 
Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Friday, the Ultimate Fighter finale, Dos Anjos versus Usman. The fans can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks, our Instagram, Best Fight Picks Official. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Thank you so much to every single person that supports us. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.